We acknowledge and respect the first humans of the unceded land we call San Francisco, the Ramaytoshaloni. We condemn the genocide of these and other tribes across the Western Hemisphere. We honor their legacy and history, and we support rematriation and sovereignty efforts. Yeah, we're at Alamany Farm. Okay. 700 Alamany Boulevard. Yeah, and that, that sound people might hear in the background is Interstate 280, correct? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Okay. lots of cars flying by all the time. Yeah, and flying by, I should say, also on the exit ramp, which uh, <laughs> yes. I just experienced. <laughs> all it's good. super fast, and people miss the uh, entrance all the time. Right. Yeah, it's a very, very quick turn off to like come into a small gate. Yep. Yeah. With cars flying behind you, trying to go just as fast. Yes, yeah. going about 17, at least, or 17 or 18 different directions. Yeah. Too. That was a bit of my conversation with Christopher Renfro, our guest this week on Storied San Francisco. I'm your host, Jeff Hunt. People in cars whizzing by on 280 headed toward the peninsula might never realize it, but there's a farm on their right just past the exit for Alamany. This episode is all about Alamany Farm. Christopher Renfro is a member of the farm's core steering committee. Here's Christopher. I would, I would say I'm from Kentucky. I was born uh, in Kentucky and Tennessee. Okay. I, yeah, and then I um, moved out here at the age of like 22, 23. Okay. Yeah, so I've been out here for like 16 years. All right. And um, yeah, I moved out here to get away from Kentucky. <laughs> That's it, <a>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then also you must have been drawn here. Yeah, yeah, it was it was something that like I felt from the time I was a kid, like I lived over in Germany also. And like, mm-hmm. even as a kid, I kind of um, always dreamed of the Bay Area for some reason. Hmm. And I like had a huge, uh, yeah, liking of uh, the Oakland A's. I love the mm-hmm. Oakland A's. I uh, had like a Oakland A's starter jacket and the matching hat and nice. liked uh, Jose Canseco. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, so it was really funny, but then the Golden Gate Bridge was always something that like I imagined too a lot. Okay. And I always used to like really imagine being like, one day I'm going to see it and one day I'll be there. And then I remember the first time I came out here, I just was blown away. Yeah, and I remember thinking this is where I could probably be forever. What what blew you away? Uh, it was the culture, kind of. It was kind of seeing the hippie movement along with, like, black power movement, with um, jazz, with uh, technology, like, you know, like, future robotics and tech. And I don't know. I thought if people were smart enough, like, this could be, like, what the future looks like in a cool way mm-hmm. you know and I was like wow this is awesome to see people getting along of all different types of callings but um yeah it felt like it was going in the right direction did it feel like home right away or oh totally it felt like uh yeah I never felt the need to want to go back home right I felt like this is where I was right yeah you didn't speak to but I, I'm gonna guess that this yeah. is a thing for you the natural beauty here the, just the natural landscape oh, well, and yeah yeah it's funny it's like I've never I've never been like that much into hiking or anything but I love fishing okay and I love being in nature and 
but it's funny it's like i feel like hiking is kind of like a privilege thing and you have to have like friends that do it just like camping and stuff mm -hmm. so i did i had a couple of friends that i've gone camping with and but it was going to like mere woods and stuff it was seeing places like that it was like access to the beach being able to bike to places and see giant massive trees or hear waves or see whales or go to the snow like to, Tahoe, yeah, right. like all these places and it took years for me to be able to like figure that part out too because yeah. like if you don't have a car you can stay stuck in san francisco forever correct so yeah it was it was an interesting thing it's like people would tell me like man i went to big sur or i've been to this place and i still haven't been to like yosemite i haven't been to big sur i haven't been to a lot of places but i've been to like humboldt you know what i mean like mm -hmm. so yeah seeing these kind of things and being like wait mendocino is only a few hours away not far at all Guerneville right. right. and you know lake county and like you just realize how massive this place is mm -hmm. and then going out to like um turlock and places like that and then there's redwood the groves even out mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. and like you know so yeah the natural part of it slowly like started making more sense yeah and it's it's kind of intimidating too because you need to have like certain time to be able to actually enjoy these spaces right so yeah it's i mean you can definitely go somewhere in like a few hours and come back right yeah you know but there's a lot of like like i don't want to just drive through these places no. i want to like be yeah yeah, in the, like, yeah. you want to go spend time in the sequoias and like right walk around and like look at each tree for a while and like you know yeah, Mere Woods is crazy like that, too, because it's like you literally can go so many different paths every time you go there. Yep. And, like, I've never I've never been to Stinson Beach from there still. Oh, okay. You know? And, like, like, that's one of the things that I, don't I think have I've to done go that do, either. you know? Stinson Beach, one of, um, I mean, it's totally beautiful up there. One of my favorite things, do you know about this? I think they still do it uh, with Bolinas and Stinson. They do a tug of war every July 4th across the bay there, across the that little oh my god i never yeah. knew that happened like you know there's like the stenson yeah. people on yeah, one yeah. side massive fucking rope really and then yeah that it's is a thing that's amazing because i feel like bolinas is such a strange town so strange it's yeah it's it's weird i feel like it's <laughs> like i never was able to find it and then Correct, all of a right? sudden like when you find it you're like well you have like a gas station with two pumps right that's it <laughs> right like, yeah it's it's cute it's a it's a cool little place but it's also weird because you're like what is this place like what do you how do you live out here it's like the edge, like, of, the, the edge of the world it really is it's amazing <laughs> yeah. it's kind of it reminds me of a uh, clive barker or west craven movie yep like where everybody's secretly like uh <laughs> like <laughs> you know what i mean like not alive I'm or something i'm glad weirder. you said it yeah, yeah. No, i feel the same way it's a, it's a, it's a little uh, too perfect Right, yeah. So when you moved out here, you said 16 or so years ago. Yeah, yeah. Did you necessarily have a plan? Did you did you think you would stay or? Yeah, it's weird. I moved out here hoping to become like a product designer, like an inventor, industrial designer. Okay. Um, and before I left, I was interested in that world too. Like uh, living in Kentucky, I kind of really was interested in art and design and, you know, created clothing like little designs and stuff with friends and mm -hmm. made music and so it felt like it was coming you know mm -hmm. and i was around hanging out with friends going to art galleries and mm -hmm. we even had our own art gallery space and i think that was like the direction that i saw as a way out hmm. of right. kentucky was like oh if i go to art school or something like that mm -hmm. or you know what i mean so i was like well what's a type of art that can actually get me paid 
it's like industrial design. design. So yeah, I came out here hoping to do that, okay. but it, it shifted immediately. Like uh, the vacation I took to come check this place out, I got a job like the first hour I was here off oh, the wow. airplane. Wow. Yeah, I started working that same night. Whoa. Yeah, and then I got an apartment four days later, and then I went that back home. That used to be and, possible. Yeah, no, totally. And everybody was <laughs> like, how did you do it? And I was like, I just did it. And yeah. I mean, I still feel like I could do it now. It's yeah. a, it's that mentality of kind of being like ready to make it happen. Open. Yeah. Too. I think I feel like you yeah, have to totally. be open. Yeah, right? yeah. Like I mean, it was all part of meeting the people on the trip that I felt like I was going to be friends with, that I still am friends with till this right. day, and that it's cool to still see people here from that first trip mm-hmm. that I took and know where they still live in the city and like pass by to visit Arrow and different places and be like, hey, I remember when that was different and we used to drink dollar fifty beers here and Beanbag Cafe and oh yeah yeah that's where I picked my first keys up. Oh nice, yeah. I used to live next door. Yeah, way back in the day, but um, okay, yeah. cool. And then so. Um, I'm a little bit familiar with this place where we are, but yeah. I'm also a little bit familiar with 280 Project. Which comes first, sort of timeline-wise? Uh, I mean, Alamany Farm, I didn't really... It's funny, it's like I knew about it before, but it was Slug, and I used to see oh. Slug as like a dump site, kind of. Yeah. And then when I saw Alamany, it's because I knew the lady that had planted the vines originally here. Okay. I had them here, so I came to try and like... Uh, find her to see if I could help her out and that never really worked out but yeah I really got involved at Alamany once I found out that the vines had been abandoned Mm. so I took that opportunity to be like hey can we be the stewards of this small little tiny space and we totally did we got the access to do it and then um, yeah from that I realized at the same moment that there's like this housing community mainly of like black and brown people that are low income living completely or like directly under affluence right like a very fancy neighborhood that's changing rapidly also like Cortland was a completely different place not that long ago also right. and now it's become very bougie so this is Bernal up here Bernal Heights yeah okay. yeah okay. so Alamany uh, apartments sit like kind of on the backside of Bernal Heights right which is cool because they share like the same playground up there and like the same farm but that's what really like started to like pique my interest was I was like wow there's still a black community that's like living in poverty kind of mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily use the farm the same way that people from up top use it right you know so that really made me wonder like why yeah and like what what makes people come together in a place even if it is inviting right. or it's supposed to be inviting you know how do you actually make something feel accessible mm-hmm. and you know so that's where uh, we started this thing called feed the people collective also my friend Haley okay. uh, Garabato and I um, we cook once a month out of the kitchen at Alamany okay. using food from the farm and then uh, you know Haley's a professional chef so she has access to ordering uh, chicken, things like that. Same thing, I work at a grocery store so I can get stuff at cost. Mm-hmm. And then we basically bring that out here. Uh, Haley kind of runs her side of it, like cooking school, where she teaches people how to like like cook everything in proportion to actually being able to feed the 150 so people. Amazing. And, but like also like the recipes and why you cut things a certain way and like, you know, knife skills, knife work 
all of it. And then, like, for me, it's more like running in front of the house while cooking, mm-hmm. but also going into the neighborhood directly, knocking door to door and, like, handing food to people and just kind of being that face with everyone to be able to actually show what community could look like. Right. You know, so it it, it. it feels like a really close thing to like when I first moved here okay like right. seeing like how people could just take care of each other or like have like the open door for a party and everyone was welcome and beer was just accessible by it. you didn't have to know anybody right to like go eat food at someone's party or go you know what I mean so it feels like this is uh, like a reminder to people that like if you have like a skill or something that you can take care of your community. It's kind of a potluck mentality. Yeah, yeah, totally. Sometimes I think about that. It's like, well, everyone has something to offer and then we can all be enriched by totally. everyone else's, whatever it is they bring to the plate. Well, and I think about it like uh, in a way that like if we have one day to give something back to the community, if everybody in the city was doing something like that, imagine how big of an impact that would shift and like so same thing like if people working in tech or something don't feel like they fit in or vice versa imagine if people were doing like actual nice things yeah in the city like imagine how quickly that would be like make people want to hang out you know imagine if you're at dolores park and you just bought a bunch of fried chicken and food and potato salad and like you know what I mean? For, yeah, like, refri- me hungry, you know sorry. what I mean? But like, <laughs> and, and you were just like, "Hey, come through. Let's right. have conversation and hang out." Mm-hmm. And like, you know what I mean? Imagine people would be like, "Well, what's why?" And they'd be like, "I don't know, because I just want to be friends." Right. Yeah. You know, but right. You got to get over the skepticism. Well, and it and takes time. Totally. So same thing when we first started this. You know, people would like be like, "Why?" Wary. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But you keep it up over a course of years and doing it, and people just realize that you're trying to feed the community. And because of that, you can walk through a neighborhood with gang violence and other problems and like people are like happy to see you and you don't have to ever stress it. So I think if we did that on like a larger scale in our city, imagine like how people would feel like it could change things. Could, oh, totally. I think better, that you could sure. definitely deal with like poverty and like right. equality and, uh, you know, people just being seen. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge part of why we are having issues we're having in our city is like we don't see each other, mm. you know. And we, it's both both ways. People right. People are seeing it. Right. You know, I think wealthy and rich people and tech people are, like, being dismissed. But at the same time, they're not leaning into people to, like, also show, like, hey, I'm a good person, too, you know? Right. And, like, I may not be from here, but, like, show me what's up. Totally. Like, you know? Well, yeah, and it's it's, it's up to each of us as individuals to, mm-hmm. to figure out our place in things and um so feed the people collective is what that's called okay and for listeners is there a way for people to get involved beyond just showing up or yeah yeah we have an instagram that's feed the people collective and then um yeah you can hit Haley up she runs that instagram and um yeah so i mean i guess i trailed off but like that was what i found this farm was really interesting about was like this is so close to these people and these people Mm -hmm. but why are we not all coming together so feed the people collective was kind of like a calling to get people from up the hill and people down the hill to come to eat together and it it does happen a bridge yeah yeah and but what it started out as is like i wanted to call to the culinary industry Mm. for chefs that have like time like once a month to be able to cook right and actually come like show their skills that people 
don't get to experience because they don't either have the money or feel welcome in their spaces to go to those nice restaurants that I've been lucky enough to work in. Right. And it was very sad to see that a lot of people never like actually wanted to do that. And then Haley's an example. But Haley's doing it. For all these people. Yeah, Haley is killing it in a way that like I think a lot of people are going to like feel a little bit like uh like they screwed up yeah like you know what i mean because someone's going to actively have that on their resume of like feeding her community being from san francisco going to mission high and then like actually being here traveling the world as a chef coming back and being like you know what i'm going to do i'm going to take care of my actual city yeah i'm going to inspire people i'm going to show other people that they can take care of themselves and take care of people and yeah so i don't know i think and so that's when seeing those vines at Alamany, it was the same feeling. It was like, if we're gonna take these vines over, we gotta do something bigger than the previous person that kind of just wanted to tell a wine story, uh, like making wine in San Francisco. Like, I think it's bigger than having wine mm-hmm. come from these grapes. It's more about the access, the opportunity, the inspiration that it gives people. The youth that get to help put vines in the ground oh, get to awesome. know that they have planted basically a tree right. that'll be there when they're older. Right. You know, but it's also like uh, it's inspiring for black people to see a vineyard now on the hillside that like you can see from the freeway when you drive by. Amazing. And it's cool. It's like uh, this is only the first one. You know what I mean? Where we're gonna add another vineyard in the city. Like we have another spot in the Bayview where we have vines growing now at uh, Cali Bird Pollinator Sanctuary with Isaiah and and Danny. Mm -hmm. And um, so same thing. That's another space. Like just keep using this uh, vehicle of vines to like uh, actually inspire people. And am I totally wrong, or are you? Are y'all making wine as well? Oh yeah, I mean we are making wine. I thought I saw that. That's like the funny part is like for me at this point sometimes like. And my friends tell me to like remember that I have to like make wine, and I'm like, yeah. Oh right. I like I like making wine, but I don't know. It's funny. It's like uh, I really enjoy like getting to get people to think about being back on the land mm-hmm. and what land access actually means mm-hmm. and what owning land means. As far as like you know, in the city, it's kind of a really like scary situation mm-hmm. where people are like looking at land as like property value and like. Um, wealth like in a in a way way different way than if you were to live out in the country and you're like oh cool I got trees and like running water and I can go fishing and, right well yeah know? at the risk of being cheesy to me this is wealth yeah yeah no <laughs> and, this and, is and, in the city. and the fact that it go, it's not just like one person or one family it's no. like a community well and you can that's wealth the, the thing about Alamany Farm is it's really special because it's uh, all free right yeah every piece of food and flour is free to the community and the only rule is like you take care of it and you don't take more than you need right so if we were able to replicate this and put it all over the city imagine how much people would be able to eat can i ask you to share a story that i heard you say uh, tell at the library um about on that topic of like um having folks from the community come in and the story was something something to the effect of like fruit that's on the tree and folks weren't familiar enough with that connection to know. So there was a time we were doing Feed the People and uh, these young girls from the neighborhood, black girls from the neighborhood were coming in playing and they were like ready for our lunch to be coming out and they kept on asking for fruit. And at one point we were like, hey, no, you gotta go to the farm and go find some fruit because there's definitely fruit up there. And they came back and they were like, there's no fruit up there, we don't see it. 
and it was at a time when apples were on the trees everywhere, plums and stuff. And I like, I looked and I was like, hey, what about, what about that? And they're like, what? And I was like, look up in that tree. And they're like, uh, they're like, what? And I was like, you don't see those things in the tree. And they're like, what is? That? I was like, what do you think that is? And they're like, oh, it's an apple. And they literally went and grabbed apples and took them off the tree. And they were like. That was the first time. Their I feel minds like, must have been. Yeah, blown. Yeah. I mean, my mind is blown hearing that. Story. Yeah, yeah, it's really I mean, poignant. But it's like one of those moments that, like, now they know how to go get apples during that certain time of the year, and their mind will remember that as a kid. They'll be like, "Oh, there they are again." Mm-hmm. Like, and they'll learn like by taste testing themselves. They'll be like, "Oh, they're starchy," mm-hmm. or like, "Oh, they have to change color." Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, then they're sweet. You know what I mean? Like, they'll start to, like, find that part out themselves now. Because it's not poisonous. They can, like, go back and eat it as many times as they want. Right. So, I don't know. It's It reminds me a lot of being a kid myself. And the older people around me that kind of taught me certain things. And I mm-hmm. had, like, certain teachers that would show me and spend just a little bit more time, like, educating you on, like, yeah, food and different stuff like that. I know? feel like it's connections too, right? Yeah. Like, okay, you might know what an apple is because your mom went to the, someone went to the store and bought one oh, yeah. from a thing of apples, but then now you're making a connection of where that apple actually comes from. Well, and this farm is way more important than, yeah, than like just aesthetic beauty and feeding people. It is also educating people on right. what food looks like when it's grown. Right on. When it's ready. Right. What it looks like with nature, with trees, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this meadow, you know what I mean? People are like far away from watersheds and mm-hmm. stuff like that. They don't get to see like cattails growing and like hear frogs, you know? So it's <sighs> it's weird. It's like when you when you can remember what nature is, you can like kind of feel safer to get back to it totally and i feel like it becomes more normal to like dream about having your own space like a little bit of property a little bit of like you know land dedicated to growing your own food and like uh yeah like homesteading doesn't have to be a scary thing right you know what i mean there's property in marin and like half moon bay for sale there's like places not that far from here that you can still buy affordably and it's kind of crazy i feel like alimony in an urban setting is like preparation for like Mm. showing people and it could be used like that i think that like teaching people how to like farm how to garden yeah can be beneficial to people being able to like be responsible stewards of the land and and to live in harmony with nature better exactly yeah like this is an organic farm right so like learning that you don't have to be really spraying anything or like killing anything maybe gophers but like if you put owl boxes up instead, you know, mm-hmm. they'll eat them. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's ways, there's coyotes here. Coyotes eat them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah, it's an interesting thing. It's like, uh, yeah, it's all like this symbiotic relationship and that's what it gets back to, you know? And mm-hmm. I think, yeah, all the things that we do on this farm are kind of like being part of that symbiotic relationship, whether awesome. it's teaching grapes and offering access or feeding the community. I think it's kind of, yeah, being, more tapped into what like I originally came here for mm-hmm. was design, but it's a different type of design. Thanks for listening to part one of our Alamany Farm episode. Next week, we'll go back to the farm and check in again with Christopher, who will tell us all about Project 280. Then we'll go on a walking tour through the farm. Please join us next Tuesday for part two. 
Music for Storied San Francisco was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Michelle Kilfeather does original photography for us. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fifth season, we have more than 200 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're able to, please rate and review the show. And drop us a line at storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, weird, and healthy. And we'll see you next time on Storied San Francisco. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.